Hey, I want to welcome all of you online. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we are so glad. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, maybe even on a podcast, we're just glad you are a part of this with us. Oh, a special thank you to Donnie for wrapping up our series on Philippians last week. Did a great job with that. Yeah. He's down with the kids tonight, but you can give him a hand. I'll let him know that you, seven of you clap for it. So um, I'll let him, I'll let him know that. I, re- I read a really interesting thing this week. And it said that the uh, kind of obsession with sleep tracking, if you have a watch or an app or something like that that lets you know the information about your sleeping patterns and your rhythms, the people who have been sleep tracking, this is what the article said, uh, there's a growing number of people who sleep track who have insomnia. It's like they're so focused on sleeping well, they're not sleeping doesn't that strike you as like odd? I, mean, I saw that in an article this week and I had to read it again because I got this watch about 11 months ago. I got it at like the end of November last year. And one of its features on an app is I can look at the next day, I can look at all my sleep tracking. Like what, what, how much time did I sleep? Deep sleep? How much, how much was, what do they call it? REM? Uh, you know, all this stuff. And I know it's not totally accurate because there's been nights I was like laying like this for two hours and it said, you slept great. I'm like, I know I didn't, you know. Um, so I was... I was inter- I'm interested in that kind of technology. I was looking at it, and then I finally just gave up and just like, I'm just going to sleep. Uh, that was me like six months ago. I'm just going to sleep. And then I saw this article, and it just kind of hit home. Like, yeah, you, get, you obsess and focus on the wrong thing. It's not going to get you where you want to be. Did you pick up on that right there? If you focus on the wrong thing, it's not going to get you where you want to be. So we were ending the last couple of weeks in Philippians. We were in chapter four, and there was a whole section there. He says, this is what you need to focus on, what's right and true and noble and honorable and ad, you know, praiseworthy, that whole thing. And we summed it up by saying, focus on Jesus. You know, he is all of those things and more. But I want to do, as we begin this new series, I want to begin by just saying this. I really hope... Just in the next three weeks, we can help you focus on the right things to get you where you want to be in a, in a particular area of your life. Now, um, this is one of those kind of series that we hit every year. Every year in November, if you've been at Community for a few years, you know what we talk about in November. If you're new, I'm just going to... I'm going to give it to you in a second. All right, so hang in there. But I decided to base this series on the Word of God, obviously, but the idea of how to go about this series, I based it on an old comedian routine by a couple guys named Abbott and Costello. So if you saw the graphics, like who's on first, you, you know probably what I'm talking about. If, and then these, by the way, I am not that old. We're not like contemporaries or nothing. Like they were like black and white and back way, way back when. But I still remember watching this and seeing it, you know, like they would show it. You can YouTube who's on first. You can see the whole thing. Here's just a quick little bit so you can get the idea of what's going on. Wrong image. There we go. St. Louis, will you tell me the guy's names on the team so I go to see them in that St. Louis ballpark? I'll be able to know those fellas. Well, now, is it all right, folks? All right. Strange may seem they give ball players nowadays very peculiar names. Funny names? Nicknames, pet not, names. Not as funny as my name, Sebastian Dinwiddie. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Funnier than that? Oh, absolutely. Whee! Yes. Now, on the St. Louis team, we have uh, who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellas on the St. Louis I'm, team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Do you know the fellas' names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yes. I mean, the fellas' name on first base. Who? 
The fellow playing first base for St. Louis. Who? The guy on first base. Who is on first? Well, what are you asking me for? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Who is on first? I'm asking you who's on first. That's the man's name. That's whose name? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. Who? The first base. Who is on first? Have you got a first baseman on first? Certainly. Then who's playing first? Absolutely. Okay. So you get the idea, right? It really goes on for like about seven minutes. And uh, he's trying to explain their names are actually who and what, and I don't know. They got funny names for the outfielders, the pitcher, the catcher, and the shortstop. Everybody has a funny name. But just that opening bit, who's on first, what's on second, third base, I don't know. Those are our three weeks. Those are the titles for our three weeks because I want us to focus on what we need to focus on and we're going to start where we need to focus most and that is who's on first. Now, I'm going to use this little rock illustration. Some of you have seen this before and so just hang in there if you've seen it before but here's the idea. All right. I have a glass cylinder, and it's real glass because I broke another one today, uh, just trying this, so hopefully we don't break it right now. But I, I have some rocks of different sizes in here, and uh, here's the thing, it, they don't all fit when you do it the wrong way, okay? So we're gonna do it the right way, and we're, it's gonna make it all fit. By the way, these rocks have been hand-painted by my grandkids, so they are amazing. Um, I don't think we're going to get rich off any artist stuff, but they painted those rocks. All right, so those are the big rocks. Here's like these medium-sized rocks. Get these out of here. And, and the idea, and it's, it's kind of obvious, but the idea is you're going to have to put the big stuff in first to be able to get everything where it needs to be. Now, in your own life, you might uh, be dealing with a schedule that's a little swamped right now, right? And so these are these really cool little white rocks. All right. So if you're dealing with a schedule that's packed full and you're like, well, how do I do what's truly important in my life? If you, if you start here with the little stuff, you're never going to get the big stuff. But if you start with the big stuff... I'll show you how we can get them all in here. You got to go with the big rocks first. Everybody say big rocks first. Okay, so then we're going to put all the medium-sized ones in here. I think this is how I broke it today when I was practicing this. Thank you, Hobby Lobby. This message is not brought to you by Hobby Lobby, but this is where I got this glass thing. And I bought two of them just in case, and I was so glad I did. All right, so I got those in there. Those are the medium-sized ones. And these are just these little white rocks. If you start with the big rocks, by the way, every now and then I'm just kind of going to work this in here. Yeah, we're going to make it good. I was, I was afraid it didn't work, and then it would just like totally blow the illustration, right? So you can see we can actually get all the stuff in there if you start with the big rocks first. And that's a picture for us, okay? I want you to keep that in mind. It's, like, it's not like a magic trick, all right? I feel like you're plotting a magic trick. But here's the idea. You get the big rocks first, then you can get the other stuff. You can get the medium-sized stuff. You can actually get the little stuff. You, but you definitely get what's important. The big rocks are what's important. And the idea of who's on first is all about who's important. 
And so here's what we're doing this week. We're beginning a three-week series talking about our personal finances. Now, let me just introduce it this way. I know, because of the way that it's talked about in some places in the church world, that as soon as you begin to talk about money and finances in the church, some people are just like closed off. You've heard it abused. So you've heard you've heard that beautiful scripture used to help fuel somebody's personal jet, and you're like, I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about, and I don't think he was either. But I will tell you this: I, I look forward to this series. Part of me is anxious and nervous because I know how people typically respond to it. But I'm, I'm, I'm also anxious and excited because I know the more and more we get what God said and follow him, the better off we're going to be. And so here's what I know. Jesus talked more about money than any subject except for the kingdom of God. Did you know this? He talked more about money than prayer and faith combined. Jesus, over a third of his parables were all about money and material possessions. Jesus talked a lot about it. And so here's what we're going to do for the next three weeks. We're going to give you God's wisdom from God's word. And then this particular week, I'm going to give you a ton of verses because I don't want you to think I'm just cherry picking out a verse or two to say what I wanted to say. No, I want something for you. I I want you to get this because I know you're going to be better off. And all of us, we've we've got to get the big stuff first. And we're going to start with the big one, like God. He's got to be first in our life. And there's different ways that this shows up. So let me just jump all over the place with this. In the Old Testament, it talks about it a lot. We're also going to use some New Testament verses. But this is Exodus chapter 13. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate, which means to set aside, to make it holy, because this, this, is, this is mine. Okay, so consecrate to me every firstborn male. Now, I'm going to want you to watch for the word first. We're going to see it in firstborn, and we're going to see it in first fruits, and it comes up over and over and over. Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me. Notice that phrase. That's going to come up over and over whether human or animal. By the way, God is not talking about human sacrifice. When a boy was a firstborn, they would literally pay the price for that son by sacrificing an animal. The animal had to be perfect. The animal had to be without blemish. If the firstborn animal was defected in any way, they had to redeem it and replace it with a perfect sacrifice. This entire animal sacrifice system that we read about in the Old Testament had a very clear purpose. And it was to let us know that God expects our first and our best. Now just remember this phrase too, our first and our best. And the reason this this is such an important picture for us, because when God gave us what he needed, he gave us his first and his best. You know, Jesus has talked about as the firstborn, there's that phrase, the firstborn of those who rose from the dead. Doesn't mean Jesus was the first one risen. Did you know that? Because Jesus rose other people from the dead before he was crucified and, and rose from the dead. Firstborn means that preeminent one, the one that's truly in charge. So he's saying in their culture, the firstborn had all the rights, all the privileges, double the portion of the inheritance. And he's saying, this, this is Jesus. When God gave us what we needed, he gave us his first and his best. That's what he did for us. All right? Here's another verse. 
This is Exodus 23. It says, bring the best, there's our word, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. So where, where do we bring it? <laughs> to the house of the Lord, but first fruits, it's the best of. He's saying, when harvest comes, so firstborn was about animal sacrifices, first fruits was about harvest time, and he says, I want you to bring the best of the first fruits to me, because that's, that's how you're going to honor me with your first and your best, right? So there's, this is all over the Bible. In, in Proverbs chapter 3, maybe for some people, maybe your favorite passage, all right? I've, I've used this passage like on my 60-second things, and people usually comment, that's my favorite passage, you know? So I know, like John 3, 16 is a big one. This is also a big one. And this is what it says, trust in the Lord. Remember that phrase right there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, which means obey. I'm going to trust him, so I'm going to obey. And he will make your path straight. How many of you have heard that verse before, those verses? All right? Great verses. And it's, it's a pretty, pretty good reminder. I, I think God knows more than me. So I'm going to trust him, not in my own understanding. I'm going to submit or obey him. And when I do that, he's going to straighten my path. He's going to make things work out the way that, that he wants them to. So this is a great verse with a promise. If I trust in him and not in me, there's some really good things that God's going to do. We typically stop with verse 6. Because that makes us feel good. And we're warm and fuzzy and everything's just happy, right? It's like, oh, that's a great verse. If you keep reading just a couple more verses, he's still talking about trusting. He's now giving us pictures of what that looks like. Look at verse 9 and 10. He says this, honor the Lord with your wealth, with, uh, what's the word? First fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. <laughs> I never can read this without remembering this. Years ago, I used this verse, and a lady about three, four rows back, right in here, just goes, yippee, because <laughs> she really liked her wine, and she saw a promise in the Bible right there, right? So he's saying, hey, if you trust me, you obey me, you, you trust me with the first fruits, the, the best, you, you bring that to me, then I'm going to bless you. Like this, this kind of a, if you will do this, then I will do this, that comes up. It's different than unconditional love. Did you know that? God loves you whether you tithe or not. God loves you whether you love him or not. God loves you whether you serve or not. God loves you if you're in a small group or not. His love is not ever changed by our activity. But promises of his are changed by our willingness to submit to him and trust him. So he says here, if you will do this, then I will do that. Okay, just remember that language because that comes up different times as well. Now look at this one. Back in Genesis, this is way before the law, by the way. Back in Genesis chapter 4, there's a strange passage that people have kind of argued over for years. I'm just going to unpack it for you. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. If you keep reading, Cain kills Abel. These are like the first kids. Like Adam and Eve had kids, Cain and Abel. Cain winds up killing Abel, and it's all starting right here. And here's the argument, and here's where people get messed up. Like, well, why would God accept Abel's and not Cain's? And then people were like, oh, quick, oh, well, because 
Because Cain brought just like fruit and stuff, and Abel brought a, an animal sacrifice. Well, we've already seen God says, bring the, the first fruits. Like, that's not it. Let, let me show it to you again. And maybe you, if, if you understand this who's on first principle, you're going to get it right away. Plus, I have it in yellow. Here we go. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil. Okay, pick that up right there. He brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions. You know what? Let me, let me translate that for you. The best. He brought the best portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. So Cain brings, uh, he, he brought some stuff. Abel brings the best portions of the firstborn. Now do you see the difference? So like what God is looking for us is the first and the best because he wants us to trust him because he wants a relationship with us. That's what he wants. Here, here it is again. This is Leviticus 2730. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, holy means set apart, right? So we've described this before. When I was growing up, we had um, everyday dishes, and then we had a hutch that had fine china. If you don't know what china is, that means it's expensive dishes, right? And so those would come out maybe at Thanksgiving or Christmas. In fact, when the door opened, usually there was like an angelic thing. Oh, you're like, the dishes, with the fine china. This is not everyday stuff, right? It's, it's, it's holy. It's set apart for special purposes, special occasions. When I was uh, growing up, my, my dad is way more mechanical than I, but he would give me certain tools that I could use, right? So there was dad's tools, and then there was Johnny's tools. Those tools were oh, holy. Like, I don't though those are set apart for dad. I had some everyday, ordinary, scratched up, banged up tools, and it's okay if I lost them or bent them. It's okay, right? So he's saying... I want you to bring me this stuff because it is going to be holy. It's set apart. And here's the main phrase I want you to get. It belongs to the Lord. Now, here's why this is important. God says the first portion of everything belongs to him. Now, track with me on this. This is really powerful, but you got to get this. If it belongs to him, am I really giving anything when I give him the first 10% back? The answer is no. I'm actually just returning what belongs to him. So the Bible talks about tithes and offerings. So there are offerings. There, there's ways that we give beyond that. But that first part, he says, no, this belongs to me. It's mine. And we honor him when we trust him enough to give him what's best and first. All right. So I read an article this week preparing for this, um, Barna and their organization does studies, like, like church study stuff. They do cultural studies too, but usually as it relates to the, to the church. And they said that American Christians, okay, American Christians across the country, only 43% know what the tithe is. So less than half of American Christians even know what we're talking about which kind of scares me 
Not, not from a legalist standpoint, not like, you know, again, like God's not going to love people less if. It's just like God talks so much about this stuff. God, Jesus talks so much about our generosity. He talks about so all, all the time he's like talking about this stuff. And, and more than half of American Christians don't even know what it means. Well, the tithe literally means a tenth. It's a tenth portion. And if you've been following and tracking, it's the first tenth that we give and return back to God. So here, here's the biggest questions I've gotten over 40 years of teaching the word of God. Question number one, this is by far and away the most often asked question. Okay, when it comes to 10%, is that off the gross or the net? Okay, honest. Anybody ever asked that question? Ever wondered about that? Like, okay, so like I get a check and then Uncle Sam gets a pretty healthy chunk. And then I got this insurance comes out of that already. And then I, maybe I have like a retirement plan coming out of that. And so am I, am I tithing off of this, what's, what's left over after all those deductions? Or am I tithing off the whole thing? This is called the gross. This is called the net. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you what I do. We've tithed off the gross. And I have my entire life. Because I think it's all a gift from God. Now, here's the truth. There's going to be a day because some of what's in my check is taken out to go into retirement. Someday I'm going to begin to reap the benefit of that. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tithe again. Why? Because God is that good. That God is that good. So gross or net, you make the call. I'm not going to be a legalist about that, but I, I think it is about the gross because he says a tithe from everything. Everything is kind of a big word. It's the gross, all right? But you, you do whatever you want, yes? <laughs> You're like, woo, yeah. Okay, here's the second biggest question I get. Dude, like really, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? It's asking a number of ways. That's the bottom line question. So here's the big deal. God wants to be the big rock. He wants to be the one who's on first. And while we can put him first in our time, and we can put him first in, in our energy and maybe creativity and other things, it's not like an either-or thing. Well, you know, I don't tithe money because I tithe my time. Show me the verse where God says it's either-or, right? It's like it's our, it's our life. It's everything. And so I, I do this financially because it's a huge—I'm going to come back to it later. It's a huge connection to our heart. The reason God, I think, the reason it's a big deal is because our heart is engaged and involved, everything money-wise. And I'll show you what Jesus said about that later on. Another question, I honestly get this. I was like, so how do I do that? Maybe you're new to all this stuff, right? So obviously people do, they, they give by cash or check, right? Um, most of our giving now is, is online through our app. There's an app we use called PushPay. If you go to our website, it takes you to our PushPay. If you go through the app, it takes you through PushPay. It's secure online. In fact, here's the truth. The reason we don't pass offering plates in our church is because 80% of our giving is done online. So if that's the case, every, let's, let's say everybody here gives. It would pass eight people before it came to somebody going, I'm going to put something in. And then the next day, people are like, I gave online. I gave online. Like, it just, it just got weird for us. Like, most of our people don't give, like, with a cash or check. So we do have offering boxes, and people use those. But 
Most of our people, 80% give online. That's how they do it. And here's, what, here's what's so cool. With, with PushPay, you can actually set it up like reoccurring. Like it's on, let's say your check never changes. You get the same check every pay time. You can set it up once a month, twice a month, whatever, whenever you get paid, once a week, however you get paid. And you just say, this is what I want to do. Every time I get paid, I want to make sure it's first. Now, for some people, they're like, well, that doesn't feel like worship. Yeah, it used to be when, when the, pat, the, the, the plate was passed, it was during a time of worship, and I would, like, I would put in my offering, it felt like worship to me. Let me say it another way. We automate what's important to us. Let me tell you what's important to me. My house payment. I don't just like all willy-nilly, like at the end of the month, you know, like, I know it's due on the first, but all of a sudden it's the third. I totally forgot about it. No, my, my house payment is automatic. I actually automate all of my, like, bills, like, you know, like electric and gas, those kind of things. It's all automated, so as soon as those things come out, it's just paid. I don't want somebody to come and knock on my door and say, hey, dude, you have not been paying your water bill for seven months. I'm like, what? And therefore, beep, you're off, right? No, what's important to me, I automate. And so that's one of those things, and you can do that right there on the app as well, okay? I need to keep going. This lovely lady right here, her name is Michelle. This handsome guy with a little bit of hair is me. I told you in September is our 35th anniversary. This is a picture at our wedding day. Not our car. Somebody let us borrow it. And we went uh, on the freeway. Um, It only went uh, 40 miles an hour. Took us a little longer to get to the reception than we thought. But before, no, even back then, the speed limit was probably still 55 or more. And it was in California, so people went 80 anyway, right? So we're just like going, it was funny. Anyway, I digress. So here's the deal. Right before we get married, Michelle says to me, hey, I've done this course in budgeting. Uh, Would you mind if I do the budgeting? I'm like, no, take it, right? So... She was living in town at the time. We weren't married yet. We weren't living together. I know that's just weird for some people, but we didn't live together before we got married. Anyway, that, that was our plan. So she calls me over the phone. She goes, okay, how much is the house payment? And I told her. <laughs> Still, it was $460 a month. Was, were those the good days or what, right? So anyway, so I give her the, you know, how much is utilities? You know, how much is a car payment? How much is insurance? How much is, oh, you know, she works. And then she says to me, she goes, like, one more question. Do you tithe? I could just hear it on the phone. She was like, do you tithe? I go, do you mean give 10% to the church? Yes, I do. And she goes, oh, good, me too. I didn't want to be one of those couples that argued about that. So we started off our marriage giving 10%. So we're married in September. January 1st comes. I said, hey, baby, I'm ready to blow you away. We're going to try to give 11%. What do you think? She's like, all right. (laughs) A whole 1% more. We were crazy, crazy kids. The next year, 12%. She's like, yep, let's do it. 12%. The next year, by the way, right before that, we had a baby. My wife quit her full-time job. So we went from two jobs to one job, from two mouths to three mouths, And I just became the pastor of this church. So I'd been youth pastor. I became the pastor of the church. And then January 1 comes around, and I said, hey, baby. And she goes, wait a minute. What's the plan? Are we just going to do a percent every year? What's the plan? And I I said, "Why why don't we pray about it for three weeks? Not together, separate. Let's pray about it. Read our Bibles. Let's pray about it. Let's just ask God what we're supposed to do. 
Three weeks go by, and we sit down together. I said, okay, what do you think? How much should we give? And she goes, I don't want to go first. How much do you think? I said, I don't want to go first. How much do you think? She goes, I don't want to go first. How much do you think? I said, I don't want to go first. How much do you think? So anyway, this is Tuesday. On Thursday afternoon, I don't want to go first. What do you think? I don't want to go first. What do you think? One of us finally caves in, and I'm not even joking. One of us said, I think we should give 20%. And the other one said, that's exactly what God told me. So back in February of 1991, we started giving 20% of our income, and we still do, to this church. This is the first and best portion. It's not 10%, it's 20%, and we bring it right here. And then on top of that, God is, continues to bless us. We, just still, we, we, we actually support two of those kids in Africa we talked about the last couple of weeks. There's other offerings, there's other opportunities, there's other ways to be generous. Um, we, we just had opportunities this summer. A couple things happened. We knew some people were in need. We were, we were able to help them. That was on top. We didn't like take away from the 20% to do that. That's just our thing. This is what we felt like God told us to do. So hear it this way. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, look at me. I'm that cool. I'm that special. Not at all. I have a really cool, special wife. But here's what I want you to hear. I'm not talking to you about something I'm not willing to do. And I've been doing this 20% since 1991 and, and more. That's just what God's done in our life. So some people are like, well, wait a minute. That, that's all kind of like Old Testament stuff. You know, the scholars in the room. I, 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 that's Old Testament, right? <laughs> Jesus doesn't talk about that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah? Matthew chapter 23. Jesus is talking, quotes, Jesus. If I could, I would do it all red. You know what I'm talking about, red letter edition. What sorrow awaits you teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the, the tiniest income from your herb gardens. They're like, one, he's like, that's what you're doing. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Look what Jesus said. You should what? Tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Here's what I want, I want you, I don't want you to miss this. It's possible to tithe and be a total jerk. It's possible to tithe and not be nice to people. It's possible to tithe and not give a rip about anybody else. And he's saying, don't be like that. Yeah, you should tithe. You should put God first. But you should do it for the right reasons. And you should, you should look at the big picture as God continues to work in your life. Now, this comes up over and over and over in the Bible. And I think one of the reasons is God just continually has to remind his people why this is so important. One of the most famous passages about this is in the Old Testament. It's the very last book in the Old Testament. It's Malachi chapter 3, and this is what he says. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me. By the way, that's really strong language. God is talking to the Israelites He's saying, you're robbing me. Why, why would he say this? <laughs> Let's go back to something we read earlier. If the tithe belongs to him, you tracking? If it belongs to him and I'm not giving it to him, then I'm actually robbing what's his. That's what he's saying. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. I'm just going to stop. We're in the middle of the section. I'm going to stop right here for a second. Okay, earlier, 
He says, I want you to have a tithe from everything, the first fruits, and bring it to the house of the Lord. Here he says it again, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Most scholars are going to tell you in the Old Testament, that was the temple. That's where they would meet to worship and pray. That's where good happened then out into the community. And it's the same thing today for like the local church that we're a part of. He says, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. In, in our setting today, that would be our local church. That, that's who we are. And, and what we get to do together is pretty amazing. Okay, here, just track with me for a minute. This year alone, in this room, on Thursday nights or on Sundays, we've had 97 people surrender their life to Christ and be baptized. Okay, that's awesome. Now, why, why is that? Yeah, because you're inviting people and you're, you're, you're praying for your friends and because people are giving and making a space available that we can do this and we can, we can rally people around. We had an event just two nights ago. It was our trunk or treat event. We're just trying to, we're not celebrating Halloween. Please don't hear that. We're just trying to give kids who we know are going to go running through neighborhoods looking for candy a safe place to come. And we want our community to know that we care about kids. And we probably had somewhere between 22 and 2,500 people come. Why? Because you were so generous with the candy, right? And so you were generous with your time. But those kind of things are made available because people at this place do what they do financially because of what you do. We have a Celebrate Recovery program on Friday nights, and we're seeing changed lives week after week after week. We have middle school and high schoolers that meet on this campus on Wednesday nights. And I will tell you, in just the last, probably last two months, those two groups together probably average around 120 students who meet on this campus because, because you have made that possible. We have life groups and rooted groups that meet on this property and other places in the community. It's like when you and I are generous, then God is able to pull that together and use that in dramatic ways to help people. But it goes way beyond our walls because we have a big kingdom view. So that's why we've been talking about what's going on in Africa. That's one of the missions that we link up with, that we support on a regular basis financially. Like out of, a, out of your gifts, we turn around and we give a tithe to other organizations and ministries that we want to be a partner with. And they're one of those, Missions of Hope International. We have people who sponsor kids. In just the last few weeks, you sponsored 197 kids. We have three more left, by the way, if anybody wants a kid, right? We'll take care of that. But we, we have, you guys, that's, that's an amazing, amazing, generous thing that everybody did. Because that's $40 a person, week, I mean month, not week, month after month after month after month, and you signed up, and you said, yeah, we'll take care of these kids. That's one of the places. Missions of Hope International right there in Nairobi. And then we have Hope for Cambodia is another organization that we partner with. I've interviewed Christopher here a year ago last summer, and uh, he came and shared with us what he's doing in Cambodia as they train pastors and plant churches. I'm getting ready to go there again in January and train a new group of pastors and church planters and that, that God's word continue to go out for that. That's because of what you do here. We have another organization we, we sponsor and we support called Stadia, and they work with church planting all around the world, in the United States, but all around. The, they're always working on planting churches in all different ways and, and styles, but just trying to get people out there because they know that the local church really is the hope for people to connect to Jesus. And so they're doing that right here in our own valley. We support financially every month My City Youth Center because we care about at-risk kids. We support every month, we support Calacinto Ranch, which is a ministry in our town just over there on the north, kind of east side. And they do camps for kids whose parents, one or more, are incarcerated. 
very specific niche, but they want these kids to know that there is a God who loves them. And so we support them and, and, and work with them. Uh, Valley Restart is a place that uh, helps homeless people in our community who are ready for help to get help and then get them back into the job cycle and find a place to live. And a lot of times they're dealing with families with kids who are out on their own sleeping in their cars. So we, we support them. We also started supporting Birth Choice, the ministry in our town on the, on the um, west side of town, who is, uh, let me say it this way, the exact opposite of Planned Parenthood. There is no planning for parents at Planned Parenthood. They're, they're all about abortion. Birth Choice is helping these young ladies to middle-aged ladies who are scared to death, they think they might be pregnant, they, they walk them through the whole process, always pointing to Jesus, showing them this little baby could be a gift. And if not for you, then maybe you could adopt that child. And so they're always helping. We're involved with them and supporting them. We together are doing all those things because when we bring that tie to the storehouse, we're not just concerned about what happens on the corner of Stanford and Stetson. Yes, we are concerned about here. But we're concerned about the community and the world around us. We all get to work on that together. So when we bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, he says, and then he says this, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Everybody read this with me out loud. I, I said with me, and then I didn't do it. One more time. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Again, God says, you trust me, you put me first, and I've got ways I'm going to be blessing you. Now, this is where it gets weird for some people. I actually heard a television evangelist one time say, you send me $1,000 and God will place a new Cadillac in your driveway. <laughs> Shut up, right? No. Will God bless? Yes. I don't always know what that looks like. It doesn't mean if I give God $1,000, he's going to give me $2,000 in the mail the next day. I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like or how it works, but his blessing, man, I, I trust God that he knows best about what he's blessing. So I've got three questions to wrap this up. Based on all these verses we've been looking at, three quick questions. I'm not saying I'll do it quickly, because on Thursday nights, we're already thinking about ice cream. I know. Do you want to live under God's blessing? You don't have to answer out loud. I'm going, to, I'm going to say, for me, yes. And he says in Malachi 3, he said, you're under a curse because you're not giving me what's mine first. You might be giving leftovers, but you're not giving me first. I don't want to live under God's curse. I want to live under his, his blessing. So I had a friend this week ask me this question. We were in a rooted group, and they asked this. They said, I know I got myself into debt, would it be wise for me to not pay my tithe for a while till I get my debt under control and get that knocked out? And I'm just going to give you my answer to him, and this is my answer to everybody who's ever asked me this. Do you want God's blessing or not? Do you want God's blessing or not? I would not stop putting in first place what God says is first place. By the way, to get out of debt, it's going to require sacrifice anyway. I heard Dave Ramsey say something like two weeks ago. He said, if you're trying to get out of debt, the only time you should see the inside of a restaurant is if you're working there. <laughs> well, that's strong, right? But what did Jesus say? Hey, if you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. Take it across and follow. We're still wanting everything the world provides and, and to somehow follow God. 
He says, no, you got to put me first. Now, I want his blessing, so I'm going to put him first. Okay? Here's one way to say it. I will give God my first and best because he can bless the rest. He can bless the rest. All right? Here's another one. Do you tend to trust God or your money? Now, a lot of people without even giving much time, well, I trust God. Oh, yeah? Let me see your checkbook. And now some of you are like, what's that? I'm old. I still know what a checkbook is, right? And we do all of our online. I, I don't really use checks much either, but I know what they are. So if you, if you show me your bank account, where all the money's going, I can tell you where you're really putting your trust. And I know this is hard. This is a, this is a leap for some of you. Listen to something the Apostle Paul tells another pastor, Timothy, to tell his church in Ephesus. He says, command those who are rich. And by the way, we're rich compared to most of the world. But just in case you don't know this, rich people tend to just trust in their own effort. Okay? Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope where? In God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Like, it's not bad to have a nice house or to have a decent car that doesn't break down every day. It's like, it's not those are, we can enjoy these things, but we got to make sure that our, our hope, what we're leaning on with our life is God and not our stuff. So again, another way to say it is it's okay to have nice stuff. It's not okay for your nice stuff to have you. That, that's where we have to be careful. And so I know this is a huge leap, right? So something we do every November, and we're going to offer it again this year, is called the 90-Day Tithing Challenge. It's a document. You have to fill it out. If you want to do this, and they're on, a, they're on a piece of paper, on your way out, in the lobby, between the glass doors, on your way out, you can grab this. And so we're start, starting this weekend through the first weekend of February. It's 90 days. And we're saying, if you want to do this, I want to do this. Maybe you've never tithed before, but you're going to try it. And here's the deal. It's a money-back guarantee from community. We believe so strongly that God will do what he says, that if you do this at the end of 90 days, and we have to be able to track it, like you have to be able to give in a way that we can track it, because you're not going to come to us and say, by the way, I gave $500,000, and I don't think God really showed up for me, right? No, we have to be able to, so it gives you all the information, but on the paper out there, you do that, and you just slip it in one of the offering boxes, drop it by the office during the week, uh, whatever, but it's, we, we need that form this week, so you can be a part of that, and the end of February, if you're like, I don't think God kept up his end of the deal at all. We'll give you back your money. Okay, no questions asked. You just say, I don't think it worked, and we'll do that. We believe this so much. We believe this. Okay, one more question. Do you want to live with God on first? Who's on first? God. Is that really how you want to live your life? If it is, then I want to attract your attention to a few things Jesus says in Matthew 6. In Matthew 6, it's the middle, like the, the meat section of the Sermon on the Mount. Every bit of it's good. But right in the middle, Jesus says some stuff about money. Like, again, he talks about it a lot. Here's one of the things he said. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay? And then he says this, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and the devil. Isn't that what you expect him to say? No, he says, you can't serve both God and money. Why? Because our heart follows 
our money. And God doesn't want or need our money. He's not raising funds. He's raising people. He's raising people. You can't serve both God and money. And then he talks about all the things we worry about when it comes to money. And then he says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Let me give you a picture of all these things, okay? We read a few different verses where it gave us a promise. You trust God and he will bless. Like I said, it doesn't always mean that you're gonna get money like in the, in, in the mailbox. But I'm gonna tell you about something our family has been able to benefit from because of the generosity of somebody else. And I believe, I, I really believe this, this is a result of us putting God first. God says, okay, I'm gonna bless you. So every summer we get to go to San Clemente. We stay in the same condo. Friends of ours own that condo and let us use it free. So I did the math this week. I've never done this before. We've been using it for 20 years. Even at less than today's rate for what it costs to, to use that condo for a week, and we typically are there two weeks. In the last 20 years, we have not had to spend, are you ready for this? Fifty to $70,000 on vacations. That's how much it would have cost us to stay in that condo right on the beach overlooking the San Clemente Pier. For 20 years, we've used that. We've never had to pay that. So it didn't show up like money coming in, but it sure wasn't money going out, right? How does he bless us? All the, he takes care of all these things. That's what he said he'll do. So who's on first? We, we need to pray. But this is how I want to pray. I'm not going to ask you to pray about tithing. I'm just going to pray about who's on first. And just remember, when God saw our need, he gave us his first and his best. And his name is Jesus. Let's pray. God, you are awesome. And we want you to be first in our life not second or third or fourth, and not by like what we feel or think, but in our actions, in our life. We want you to be first in our marriages, in our family, in the way we carry on business. We, we want you to be first in everything. So God, help us to see very clearly your first, your best. Help us to see you, Jesus, and just how much you love us. Whether we get this right or not, you're not going to change your love for us. Your offer still stands. You want a relationship with us. But God, I pray that you would help us move even closer to you from our end by trusting you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. If you're watching online, you can always email us at office at community.cc. If you have questions, maybe you have uh, decisions you want to make, or you can use the app, all of you here. If you want to pray with somebody before you get out of here, make your way up here, somebody to meet you up here. And uh, let me just say this. Love you. Hope to see you next week. Ice cream's outside. Bye. <laughs>